shimmy rock, shimmy shimmy coco pop, shimmy shimmy rock. I'm a girlfriend of Triscuit, she said Triscuit, a biscuit, ice cream soda pop, vanilla on top. Ooh, Shalita, walking down the street, ten times a week. I met it, I said it, I saw my mama spread it. I'm cool, I'm hot, suck you in the stomach, all the time. The great story here for anybody willing to find it and write about it and explain it is this vast right-wing conspiracy that has been conspiring against my husband since the day he announced for president. Perfect position and race to the bottom is on the air. Time to sit back and enjoy some refreshing Winslow tea. Try it hot, lukewarm, or over ice. Have it with milk and sugar, or a lemon wedge, or oh natural. Mm, mm, mm. Now that's Winslow tea, a New York City tradition since 1872. Ask for it by name at the tea house or your local greengrocer, because that's how you know it's Winslow.
the Winslow Tea Broadcast Booth in chilly Bushwick, Brooklyn. I'm John Reed. You're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, and this is Race to the Bottom, baby. We're back, baby. Hey. In the background, as always, it's Bremer and McCoy. This is their song, Hudger. And we're going to write these guys. I'm going to send these guys a missive, an, an epistle. It's going to be an epistolary novel up in here. Right? Oh, man, it's good to be back. Back up in this be like what? Right? My opening monologue, as always, is sponsored by Winslow Tea, and I'm drinking it right now. Ah, ooh, it's still warm because I, I would say bet- what's between warm and hot? I put it in my uh, thermos and my me bottle. Remember me bottle? Yeah. Thank you, as always, to Winslow T for sponsoring this and every monologue. Did 52 of these puppies from the from home. We didn't stop. Can't stop. Won't stop. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Who said that? I think it was Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, we did the thing from home. And the show grew a lot and in depth and, and breadth. Sometimes things grow in depth and not in breadth, but we did both. We gained some friends, we lost some friends, a friend. But that's how this year was. And boy, do I have a show for you today. It's March. What is it? March, what? The 13th. We can still do this. I mean, the actual March madness hasn't started, so March sadness, it's okay that we haven't started yet, okay? Cough button. It's been a while since I did that. Uh, Yeah, we've got March sadness. We've got 16 sad memories in a tournament style single elimination contest no no true sad stuff no death i had i had to respectfully say um yeah that's i i'm feel i just feel really bad for what's going on i can't uh i don't feel right putting that in in the thing to a few people cuz uh we're not we're not trying to make light of of what's been a, a tragic year. Uh we're trying to share in our common humanity and and the sad little moments. I teach English and I t- I 
teach my kids. My seventh graders are writing memoirs, and I try to get them to write with in small moments. They want to say, my dad is always like this. My dad's so funny. He always makes us laugh. I say, great. Can you think of one time that your dad made you guys laugh? Because, you know, you, you can say he's funny, but I guess I believe you. But try to make me, uh, give me a little chuckle from what, what, uh, what your, your poppy says. Right? So we're trying to do small moments with the March sadness. And I think, I think it was mission accomplished like GW on the aircraft carrier. Hmm. That's good. Did I say to please hashtag your tea drink experiences with hashtag how you know to steep into the conversation? You can also hashtag slurp to enhance because like in a lot of um, Eastern cultures, Winslow goes better with a slurp. You enhance the taste. And it's not rude. And I resent anyone saying it is. So how about that mashup, guys? How about it? What we hear? That that mashup, BTW, was from last year. March 12th last year. And we, by the way, we've done more than a hundred of these shows. I didn't do like a special hundredth show celebration. We just kept rolling. And we've surpassed the two show, two year anniversary, two show anniversary, two year anniversary. Meaning that there was a show like right around this time last year and a show around this time in 2019. So it's actually been going on for three years. See, that's something I don't understand, how time works like that. That's something Dr. Dad would understand, but it's like they they say the Civil War took, took place across five Aprils, but it only happened for four years. How is that possible? It's like my dad made a big deal of the my my dad, your doctor, Dr. Dad, friend of the show. He made a big deal out of when I was became half his age. At some point I was half his age. How is that possible? That I would creep up on him to where I would be half his age. Cuz I was when I was born he was you know, mid thirties. How can all the you know one to thirty five? How how does that? Show me the math on that. That's fuzzy math, as GW. So we had a lot of GW references today. Oh man, it's good to be on the mic. Uh, Fourteen minutes into the show, and I haven't told you what was in the mashup yet. Going well. That's why I'm not doing I'm not doing calls to today. We'll do call ins next week. You guys don't even know the phone number. It's not the old phone number. I've got it here in my back pocket, my proverbial back pocket. So we heard from 
the band James with their song Laid. I was super into James back in the day. Not much to say about that, (laughs) but we heard from some Tom Hanks movies from Big, the movie where he famously, uh, famous quote from that movie, I want to be big, right? He said, and him and uh, Josh Baskin and his buddy do the rap, the famous rap, shimmy, shimmy, cocoa pop, shimmy, shimmy, rock. I'm a Triscuit Biscuit. Where, where, who wrote that? I think I brought this up last year. Was that a, a Tom Hanks rap? Or uh, his son is the rapper now. Maybe that was a early Chet Hanks. Chet Blaze or whatever his name is. We heard from Steve Meller, the song Swing Town, which I got stuck in my head. But I couldn't figure out who, what, where it was from. And I put it on social media and I said, what song is this? And I was walking around the Upper East Side going. And um, Kala uh, correctly identified it. Thank you to to, uh, Kala for that. Figuring it. It's, It's fun to have one of those that you can't figure out and then you figure it out. We heard from Hillary about the vast right-wing conspiracy. It's now turning for uh, for uh, our governor. Canceling him, man. Cancel culture rears its ugly head again. Oh, by the way, congratulations, everybody. We, we did such a good job canceling Dr. Seuss. All our secret meetings really paid off. We really got him. Good, good job. We heard from Erica Badu with On, on and On. And on and on. She says, I think I'll have a cup of tea. The world keeps burning. I was in my... I had, see, a lot of anxiety was in this. This is... We heard that Tom Hanks got it. NBA shut down. I put in from the Radiohead song... House of, House of Cards. Not, I don't think they wrote it at, about the Netflix show. I tried to watch that Netflix show one time, and what's his name was talking to camera, and I was like, I'm, I can't do this. Guy creeped me out. I knew something was up. But Tom York in in House of Cards says the infrastructure will collapse in voluntary response. We heard from Danny Brown. Mayday, mayday, sound the alarm. More anxiety, right? Economic anxiety. Uh, And I heard, I had seen Danny Brown, I'd seen his image in the subway. And then... I was hanging out with my buddy Dan. Maybe he had a like a Dan uh, an, an affinity. But we went to a Mets game about this time last year, spring training game. And on the ride back to Miami, Danny Dan played Danny Brown. I said, I like this. The Bums loss, Lebowski. And then you two with seconds. And I know I've been playing a lot of U2 
on the show recently, my old impressionistic U2 affinity, to use that word again. But I might take a break, man. I was poking around YouTube and I saw this this thing that they did with Jimmy Fallon and the Times Square subway where they dressed up in these disguises and Jimmy was hamming it up. They were all hamming it up. And, man, it was it was really bad. I think, I'm, I'm not sure about the timeline, but I think that might have been when COVID <laughs> hit. There's something was weird. Um, I'm not blaming Jimmy Fallon, but I am raising questions. And then we heard there's no crying in baseball, and I was a little trigger happy. Guys, that maybe the transitions won't be as perfect as they have been because I don't have the hindsight or foresight or benefit of editing post-facto. Post, uh, so I, I hit the I hit the thing a little too soon. And Tom Hanks was saying there's no crying in baseball while we heard from uh, Winslow T. Let's vibe out to this Bremer and McCoy for a second. Should I just write him a quick email? Let's see. Let, let's see if I could. Let's see. So the, I'll, I'll try to think out loud. So, dear Bremer McCoy, I am live on my radio show. playing your music as I always do playing your music at, at playing see it's hard to compose out loud I want to say playing your bed music as mute but I don't want to repeat the word music we'll do this do this. And I'm also nervous because I know the song's about to end, and I wanted to write the song, write the letter while Bremer and McCoy was in the background. Might have to put that off till next week. Okay, let's let's get started on the. I gotta present 16 of these March sadnesses, so maybe I should get into that. In the background, this is Kraftwerk with The Man Machine, off their album The Man Machine. And I've been playing a bunch of this 70s stuff. I've, I've 
made the 70s playlist and I've been obsessed with the 70s and that's going to be one of the topics on which the phone can ring next week. So why why are the 70s interesting? But um, I knew everybody was loved craft work and uh, I don't really know that much about them but I thought this song was cool. But is it sad enough? Do we need sad music in the background for March Sadness, or is that too sad? I'm just going to go with it. Too much too much thinking, right? Best First thought, best thought. All right, so March Sadness. A tournament-style contest between people's sad memories. Third annual. And the winner of... March Sadness will provide the playlist for our July 4th show. And everybody knows, Joe Joe said it, we're going to be going ape on July 4th. So, you know, being able to do the July 4th playlist is, is going to be pretty big. So uh, there's a high stakes. They say you need high stakes for a good drama, and man, do we have it. All right, so did something new this year. I uh, crunched crunched the numbers and, and looked at the brackets, and it looks like we have our first kind of regional contest to make it even more official here. We have kind of... The thing broken in half, so on the... On one one half, we have the New York and Northeast Conference. That's the word I was looking for. We have the New York and Northeast Conference, which is basically all New York, and then a New Jersey and a Maine. And then the other conference is the South and Central. We got Virginia, North Carolina, Chicago, and Colorado. I know Chicago is not a state. And, um, and yeah, we, and this is going to be judged. The, these first few rounds are going to be judged by an impartial, um, judge who works for Chambers McSullivan, uh, law firm. Um, and they, it's, it's, we have secret, uh, secret ballots. It's, it's in one of those armored trucks. So it's all, that's all, that part's all, all on the up and up. No need to worry. But I do need to worry about this. This music is not set in the right vibe. I know what I need. I know what I need. I need some Rachel's music for Egon Shield. This is sad. Here we go. All right, so let's get this party started, as they say. First memory, Peanuts Club. My saddest memory is when I came to school one day and my entire group of nine girls, the Peanuts Club, as in Charles Schultz, had gotten together and stopped talking to me. It was traumatic, and my mom wasn't helpful. When I was 28, I was having dinner with my boyfriend and a couple at our place, and he called my best friend from those days. She didn't remember. 
I spent 20 years in group therapy as an adult trying to resolve this. That's Peanuts Club. I'm not I'm going to try not to comment on these and just present them as a like a Wolf Blitzer-esque completely objective uh arbiter. Wait, an arbiter is an arbiter you say an arbiter of truth. I don't know. High school musical is going up against Peanuts Club. So these these two are in, in contest here. When I was a junior in high school, I had a girlfriend who made me break up with myself. I was drum major of the marching band and she was head cheerleader. We were just a few characters short of a high school musical. Anyway, after prom and before her graduation... She came over to my house one evening, and when we sat down on the couch, she said, Nothing. Literally nothing. We had hung out as normal the day before. I didn't know it was up, so I started asking questions about her family, school, if everything was okay. She would only nod or shake her head. Eventually, I got around to asking whether it was about us. Slight nod. Was she unhappy? Slight nod. Did she want to break up? Weird, enthusiastic nod. So did we just break up? I asked. Nod. Then she left. She didn't say a word the entire time. Four days later, she graduated, and I don't think I ever saw her again. Guess I was a bad prom date. Okay. So those are that's the first contest in the... New York Northeast Division. The second one. Backup. I was an athlete in college, and as a sophomore, I was friends with a few older guys on the team, which I was proud of. They thought I was funny, which meant even more since I wasn't actually starting on the team, so they probably didn't think much of my athletic ability. I was walking down the locker room one day, when I saw the starting quarterback smiling with his two favorite jokesters, cackling around his locker. Come on, I'm not as fat as Demena, he chuckled. How they laughed. But the laughs stopped immediately when they saw me, standing cold in my tracks, speechless. A dumbstruck, fat, openly mocked back-up quarterback. The worst part is how they felt bad, and their fun little huddle just dissipated in my presence. I did not know what to say. And backup goes up against scouts. I heard my name called over the stadium's PA system and stepped out of the dugout onto the grass at Wrigley Field. As I walked towards home plate, I looked out to the ivy on the outfield walls and thought of the centuries worth of players who had made the same walk I was. I glanced at the scouts in attendance for this showcase and took a deep breath. Now is my chance to show them my name should be added to that list. I readied myself in the batter's box, slight bend in the knees, fingers loose, eyes locked in, deep breath. When the pitch came towards me, I thought of the ball cracking off my bat and sailing over those ivy walls. 
What happened was that I swung so hard I spun like a dreidel and fell on my ass in front of those scouts who were going to make my future. I put my hand in the dirt to push myself back up but somehow slipped and fell back down again. Eventually I got up but I don't remember any of how the rest of the day turned out and I'm not currently nor have I ever been a major league baseball player. All right. Contest three. The first entry. Hell's Kitchen. Back in October, I was offered a job as the executive chef of a brand new restaurant here in Hell's Kitchen. Due to the pandemic, I lost my job of six years as the executive chef somewhere else. I was really excited about the creative freedom of opening a brand new space with my own concept and creations. What could be better? I went online to throw my resume into the inner abyss because why not, right? And the third listing I see there is the same job that I've been promised since October. My knee-jerk reaction is to call them and go full Tony Soprano, but I thought better and sent a proper email to which I received a response saying that they were going a different direction with a consultant and I should keep in touch. Ouch. That goes up against Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler. Right in the midst of high school, my friends and I went to go see a midnight showing of X3, X-Men The Last Stand. One of our friends, to preface, was a bit of a bully and the jerk of the group. He was trying to pressure us all into dressing up. Mind you, this was much before cosplay was as, as accepted as it is now. So we all passed, and he was like, okay, whatever. He was the last person we picked up on the way to the movie theater, which was an hour away. He was completely painted blue, white t-shirt with blue shorts. Our friend that was driving said, You can't come in the car like that. You're going to get pain everywhere. The blue guy told him to shut up. Everything would be fine. He got in the car and yelled, Guys, I'm Nightcrawler. We said, Great, but Nightcrawler isn't in this movie. He told us to shut up, and we didn't know and we didn't know anything. We get to the movie. We're waiting in line. He's the only one dressed up, at at least 100 people in line. Everyone in line keeps calling him Mystic. He keeps fighting back saying he's Nightcrawler. He's in this movie. Turns out Nightcrawler was not in the movie. He got blue paint all over our friend's seats and ended up getting a rash from the paint and couldn't come to school for the next week. Okay, contest four for the Northeast slash New York region. Green jumpsuit. A couple of years ago, my father went to prison. There were so many sad moments involved in that, both in the lead up to it happening, through the sentencing, and then the horrible reality of it actually coming to pass. Some of the things involved in that ordeal are beyond what you have in mind. A sentencing, for example, is heartbreaking beyond description and something one wouldn't wish on their worst enemy. But some of the sadder moments were small and almost bittersweet. There was one time I went to visit by myself. I had been a few times and sort of gotten used to it. I'd grown accustomed to the staff's intimidations, 
the awful ambience of the visiting room that felt like spending an afternoon in a dusty bus station, the sight of children leaping into the arms of their fathers. I'd become inured to the sight of my elderly father in his green jumpsuit, ambling slowly towards me, a shell of his former self. This time, instead of a cross, he sat next to me. A football game was on the TV. We sat and watched and chatted. We caught up, recalled old times. We laughed. For a moment, everything was fine. We were father and son again, enjoying a Sunday afternoon watching football. But then we saw the clock approaching late afternoon. Visiting hours were coming to an end. My dad nervously took note that we better say goodbye so as not to risk any trouble. That carefree moment was over. We said our goodbyes, a guard handed me back my ID, and before I turned before I left, I turned back once more to see my father anxiously waiting. A, a guard would have had would have to let him back into where the bunks were. He fidgeted with his hands and sat looking totally helpless and vulnerable. This man who once seemed like a giant in my imagination, waited like a child hoping to evade a harsh punishment. I walked out to the desolate parking lot, took one last look at this horrible place, and drove away. Green Jumpsuit is going up against Dear Diary My Diary Sunday, March 19th, 1972 Roommate Lorna and I went out shopping for things for the apartment Drifting around Amsterdam Avenue like coconuts in the surf, back and forth, like life washes over. Bought a cute little table at the thrift store. Came home and did nothing. Time passes without a whimper. After lunch, I make plans for a very long letter to be sent off, along with the Youth Tashenko book to my boyfriend, Oli. Lorna loves to gab. She's in love with her boss, Arthur, head of the Bible department. It's not any good. I retreat thinking this roommate relationship is not like on TV at all. We're obviously not meant to be friends. I wonder about solitude. Like how, soli- like how solitary could I actually be? Sorry, I didn't have that whole one there. Continued. So the last part was like, how solitary could I actually be? I'm still reading the ambassadors and thinking a lot about how I could be more self-sufficient. I don't feel like writing you, Oli. Perhaps I'll try to read some of the pseudo-psycho crap of Henry James, my big competitor for your heart. What would life be like if I didn't have a lover? Different? Yes. How? Impossible. In the Jamesian sense, impossible. And that could be fine. Then again, it could be, in the Jamesian way, vulgar.
All right. So that is the the east. Well, the the northeast. New York. I know what what music, what sad music I should play. A little Bill Evans. I had a jazz teacher said Bill Evans makes you feel like going home to cry to your mama. Which I think is pretty apt. Um, let's do conversations with myself and the... I feel like Spartacus love theme is a good place to start. Love theme from Spartacus. Oh, yeah. All right. Start this puppy. This is the South and Central Conference. First competition and first entry, Jen and Brad. I'll never forget the day I was standing in the grocery store checkout line. There it was on the cover of People magazine. Jennifer and Brad had announced their split on January 24, 2005. The statement read, We would like to announce that after seven years together, we have decided to formally separate. A few minutes later, the grocery, a few minutes later, the grocery clerk asked if everything was okay, because she could see a single tear rolling down my cheek. I suppressed my feelings and shrugged it off and said, I'm fine. It wasn't perfect. I went home to park and had a long overdue cry in my car in the driveway while my favorite vanilla bean gelato was melting. I just didn't care about anything in that moment. And I was also so embarrassed of my feelings for their separation. It just hurt. That's Jen and Brad. Next one, On the Road. This is going up against Jen and Brad and the Southern slash Central Conference. Probably the saddest I've ever been on the road playing music was in this terrible English town called Filey. I was in what couldn't legally pass for a hotel room with this crazy Scottish tour manager and a bandmate. It was so depressing and gross. I wanted to escape, but the rest of the band were at another place and our phones didn't work. There was literally no possible way for me to leave. Nowhere else to go or stay. It smelled so bad. I was staring at the TV, watching a BBC doc about Russia's worst prisons, laying on this disgusting little bed. The other two, two, the other two dudes' beds filled up the room completely, and it was so dark. In the morning, I just grabbed my suitcase and started walking. Eventually, my phone worked enough to find my bandmate Evan. In another awful twist of fate, on our next tour there, I was in Filey, adamant to make sure we didn't end up at that place again. The tour manager assured me that we were staying somewhere different. He drove up and said, See, this is it, different place. I said, Okay. 
then walked in and realized with horror that we are on the other side of the same damn building. The sadness-slash-rage combo was insane. Forensics In high school, I had an on-again, off-again relationship that, for much of my senior year, was in an unacknowledged limbo. We'd get together and snog, as the British say, but never quite publicly declared ourselves to be dating. We were both on the forensic team, and these trysts would sometimes happen when we went to tournaments out of town in the depths of winter, In the depths of winter, a small, one might say elite group of us, competed in a tournament several states away. She and I hung out that weekend, but we had not gotten physical yet. It was often the case, as was often the case, we had a long van ride back home through the night on Sunday. In anticipation of a night romance, I scored a seat in the back corner of the van and was ecstatic when she sat beside me. I thought it was a little weird that her ex-boyfriend sat beside us as well, but being an eager young man, I didn't really care. What I could not have known at that time, but what would be revealed over the course of the next several hundred miles, was that there was still an ember between the two of them. Predictably, their flame was rekindled, and I spent the night listening to their kissing noises and being bumped by their knees and elbows while the driver smoked cigarettes, and I looked out at a soggy, dark Midwestern row of cornfields. And that goes up against Rapture. I grew up in an evangelical family and learned to be very afraid. I remember as a child searching the house looking for piles of clothing when I couldn't find anyone. I feared Jesus had returned and my parents and siblings had been raptured. I had been left behind for my sins and was heading straight to hell. When I finally located a family member, I felt profound relief. However, I experienced the same anxiety the next time someone was missing. Fortunately, as an adult, I escaped this fear-based religion through a slow spiritual transition. When I tell friends about this incident, they say it sounds like child abuse. How sad. Right? In the third heat? Would it be a heat? I don't know. Third contest? I want to keep using the word contest, but I don't want to be inaccurate. And it's not a game. Oh, you can damn well bet it's not a game, guys. Uh, running late. Years ago, I was leaving NYC after a New Year's party. When I got to LaGuardia, I was 25 hours late for my flight. I nearly argued the whole day before I realized that I just needed to cry until they rebooked me. Running late goes up against culture shock. I graduated from a British high school in Hong Kong at age 16 and was accepted to college in the U.S. Once there, I quickly suffered from culture shock because of my years abroad, including six years in India as a youngster. All alone without family, I felt like a boy surrounded by older men and women who knew exactly how to act. Struggling with pre-med courses, I withdrew into studying. 
I managed to finish the year, perhaps buoyed by the knowledge that I was going back to a senior year of high school at a nearby academy. This painful psychiatric boot camp taught me to have greater empathy for those with loneliness, social anxiety, self-doubt, and depression. By delaying my college graduation by a year, it also allowed me to meet my future wife. And in the final contest, final contest, we have Trilogy vs. No Jazz. Trilogy. It's January in Chicago, meaning it's cold as a witch's titty. But I'm wearing flip-flops because my feet are swollen like hams. Sad part one. I had a baby three days ago, and said baby is in the NICU. But I've already been discharged, so I have to go visit my own kid in the hospital. Sad part two. I step into the hospital elevator in my flip-flops, and some old lady with big hair and cheap perfume asks me, Oh, so you're here to have your baby? To which I have to explain politely, No, I've already had the baby, you old bag. To which she tells me, God works in mysterious ways. Sad part three. And finally, no jazz. I ended up being the general manager of a cafe. The owner was a delusional old lying man who thought he owned a jazz club instead of a coffee shop and perpetually put the place on the brink of bankruptcy trying to fund his failed jazz club. I worked for him for almost 10 years and during that time I hated jazz and couldn't listen to it. It even took me a couple years after working there to be able to start enjoying jazz music again. It was a sad decade in my life with no jazz. There it is. The sad 16 for your consumption and for our our judges' discernment. We'll have the defeat eight. Is that what we call it? Um, next week. How about how about that? Let's let's do a song to clear the air, and then we'll do some final housekeeping. By request from our buddy Jay Domena, from a guy Lenny Brow, who I don't know, but uh, I like this, and I, I always like what Jay requests. This is Five O'Clock Bells, Race to the Bottom. Tune that I wrote called Five O'Clock Bells in the Morning. Sometimes I try and sing on this tune. I'm not really a singer, but once in a while I'll try and sing an ode in there. It's got words to it, but it's more of an instrumental with lyrics.
could but see If you're listening on your computer, consider downloading the app for Android or iPhone. It works great and it's free. If you'd like to support the show and all the great programming on Radio Free Brooklyn, you can go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. And while you're at the website, you can check out our sign sign up for the newsletter we only hit you up once a month and it's informative and lets you know about all the great stuff that we're doing here as we slowly kind of get back to normal it's pretty exciting good things coming i think and we are sponsored by cityrunningtours.com slash new york city where you can go to sign up to take uh, informative like historical running tours it's in something like 18 different neighborhoods in the bronx queens brooklyn manhattan not staten island who would want to do that i got some running shoes i got fitted for some running shoes yesterday i'm gonna i'm gonna start doing this i'm gonna log on to cityrunningtours.com start running learn the history first of long island city my my uh, stomping grounds. In the background, we're hearing cluster. This band, Cluster. This is another one of these '70s groups. The song Rosa. But it's time for a segment of the show uh, called Excusez-moi.
I'm going to teach you how to say excuse me in French. That means I am sorry. Excusez-moi. Excuse-moi. Pardon. Pardonnez-moi. Je suis désolé. Just want to apologize to 23 Skidoo, the Kid Hop rapper and the very thoughtful guest on How the Internet Has Changed Us, parts one and two, which is still up for your listening pleasure. And and I, I see the numbers. Everybody listened to How the Internet Has Changed Us, part one. And that's great. But guys, I think I really knocked part two out of the box. And... um out of the park? How would I knock it out of the box? Go check out um, part two and check out Secret Agent 23 Skidoo's rap. Um, he's a good dude. And I forgot to thank him when I was thanking people last time. Which leads us to, as long as I'm... Shouting people out, I, I got to shout a, a couple more things out. And this is part of the show called Recommended. It's a recommendation. 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 It's a recommendation. Recommendation. Oh, yeah. Recommended things. Things that are recommended, right? That's what we're talking about as I stall for time and get back to my document here. What do I want to recommend? Oh, yeah. So, I'm trying to get this guy to come on the show, this writer, uh, this comedy writer, Seth Simmons, who, who's been doing some great uh, reporting. He, he wrote uh, this article in the New Republic called um, Comedy Has an Alt-Right Problem about all these gross comedians. Um, and hopefully, we're going to get him on the show. But... Um, I think that something that is very prevalent with comedy that I've been interested in exploring is how people, and that you you know people do this, people will say really mean things and then they'll say, and this isn't just with comedy, this is just in life, they'll say something mean and then if you react to it, they'll say, oh, I'm just kidding, right? And I'm interested in the way that, that comedy is is permission to just be cruel to one another and that is a big theme of the career of Rush Limbaugh I guess people thought some people thought he was funny I didn't think he was funny but I do have to admit he was a good broadcaster and I would hate listen for hours on end but he was on this podcast well he wasn't he was the subject of this podcast called Behind the Bastards which I thought was really fascinating and comedian Paul F. Tompkins was um, the guest host, and they talked about Rush and how uh, in his life and how gross he was. Um, and I recommend it. And I also recommend, we just finished it last night, Jane Fonda and Five Acts, the documentary. It's on HBO. Man, what a what a, a life. She's a she's a character. Oh, and, and that Behind the Bastards podcast, get it wherever you get your podcasts. Everybody says that on on these ads. They said wherever you get your podcasts. They don't. It should be. No one says it like this. It should be or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Speaking of podcasts, I'm going to be on this podcast called Why Is This Not a Movie? I think I'm going to be on next week, um, where I work with this my guy, Mike Vago, to figure out why something's not a movie, and we kind of break it out and cast it, think about the script, think about the musical production, who's going to direct the cinematography. We put lots of cinnamon on there. Okay, so this was good. Defeat 8 next week. Call in. Get your calls. I'll finally divulge the call-in number. And we're back, baby. You're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. I'm John Reed. Have a great week. Take care, guys. Peace.